You're listening to The Guardians of Sleep, a podcast produced by the Museum of Dreams. My name is Sharon Slavinsky. In this first season, we partnered with the Museum of London to find out how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the dream life of people living in the British capital. Robbins. I'm 74 years old and I'm retired. I used to be a metal trader. I've got an interest in dreams. I, it's a very amateur interest, but I have a particular keenness on a sort of neuroscience approach to dreaming. It's always pretty neat when people can surprise you. My conversation with Peter Robbins surprised the heck out of me. And I think Peter surprised himself, too. One of the things that really interests me about dreams is how I can surprise myself. Uh, Somebody is surprising me. I mean, I know there's another person inside me. I mean, maybe lots of other people inside me that are a bit different. And it's almost as if there's another person, a latent person inside your mental processes. There's a bit like you, but they're not quite like you. And I don't think it's this one that's driven by violence and sexual stuff that Freud thought of. I think it's far more clever and logical and, you know, almost like a waking person inside you rather than something primitive. Peter had sent us an email about one of his dreams, and I asked him to narrate it to me as best as he could remember. All I can remember about it was that it involved shopping in a a shopping mall that I didn't ever, I'd never been to. The shopping expedition ended in a butcher's shop, which really didn't sell meat, but it sold sacks of something or other that might have been meat, but whatever it was, it was a bit frightening. And there were people in the shop who were looking at me as though I didn't, I was the outsider, that I, I was a person who didn't know what was going on in the shop, and I was trying to pay. But all I had in my pockets were these big chunks of metal that were like, they had angles on them, and they were sort of not ordinary coins. And I, and I knew that, you know, they were some kind of currency, but again, it's that frustration thing. You don't quite know what's going on. So that was a very strange one. No stranger than plenty of other dreams I've had, but it was in a world quite apart from anything I've experienced. I've traveled widely all over the world, but I've never had to pay for anything in big weird chunks of metal, you know. I tell you what I did think about that particular dream, though. I woke up feeling miserable. I felt quite sad about it. I know quite a lot about metal, and uh, it does come into my dreams quite a bit. As it turns out, that was a colossal understatement. Apart from being a metal trader for three decades, Peter worked as a consultant to the UN on trade relations between African nations and multinational corporations. In the late 1980s, he also worked as an advisor to the African National Congress. Now that's Nelson Mandela's party. He offered advice about the effectiveness of trade sanctions as a way to end apartheid. And then he was the founding member of a London anti-apartheid organization that was successful in curtailing the import of South African gold into the UK during the apartheid years. So yeah, he knows a lot about metal. 
I learned all of this after our interview. Peter did mention that he'd written a few books, so I looked him up. And now I can't help but think about his dream in light of what I've learned. What a magnificent condensation of a huge career. This anxious dream about being an outsider in a shop in which the only currency he finds himself carrying is huge chunks of metal. I think that Freud said that lots of bits of dreams are made up from the sweepings of the day. And it's definitely true that if I watched a really nice film, you know, the actor in the film happens to pop up in my dream. Or if it's a cowboy film, I'm being shot at from behind a rock or something, you know. So there's a kind of a, a definite use of the experiences I've had in the day, even though they're rather boring. They're not the dream. It's, it's almost as if you're making a table out of bits of old wood that used to be a barrel. So in other words, you're making something out of out of the bits of the day, but it, it's not really a story of the day. I suppose the most important aspect of my dreaming is that it's always frustrating. I'm in a frustrating position or a frustrated position when I'm, when I'm dreaming. I lose things or I'm lost in a town or... But sometimes I have really exhilarating dreams where sometimes I get a lot of inspiration, for instance. But it involves my past life very much. I get work colleagues, for instance, coming in and out of my dreams. I, I dream about my mother as if she was alive. I don't know why I particularly dream about her, but on the other, on the other hand, uh, although I'm a dedicated Republican, the Queen comes into my dreams quite a lot, which is odd. For Peter, this common emotional situation of frustration was heightened over the course of the pandemic. Like many of the dreamers we spoke to, he experienced more intensity in his dream life during COVID. The uh, overarching theme of nearly all my dreams is one of frustration, of not being able to do what I feel I'd like to do. I can't, I can't find my money. I can't find the right bus to go somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm in a room with people who are kind of, they're in the in crowd. They've got a special knowledge about things and I haven't. Is that kind of frustration, and it's that's not my like like my life at all. You know, I'm I'm you know fairly gregarious person, and I don't ever feel too I don't feel discriminated against in any way. But in dreams, I feel as I'm not quite in the in crowd, and and other people have got a special knowledge about things, which is a bit weird. And I should just say that aspect of my dreams has been more prevalent in the last few months. But there's also there's there's more of them. You know, I wake up in the middle of the night and I've just had a dream now, and that's been a vivid dream. And then I wake up in the morning and that's been a vivid dream. As normally they would be boring, I'd forget them, wouldn't be interested and so forth. So, and certainly intensity is, is a, a good word, yeah. Now, unlike many of our dreamers, who were often boggled by the purpose and meaning of their dreams, Peter had a very strong sense that these mental events serve an evolutionary purpose. I think it's a bit sad that psychologists are still kind of captured by Freud. I think that had he been around today, 
and known what uh, neuroimaging can do and what scans can do and what we know now about the physiology of the brain that we wouldn't be so stuck with him i think we we would be more interested in what the evolutionary purpose of dreams were which is the thing i'm interested in i we well, see i think that uh, that the whole point of dreaming and, the, and and not just dreaming but the other stuff that happens to us in the daytime is that it adds uh, an element of randomness to our thinking and i think sometimes you get bogged down on you know rather boring ways of working things out in order to be able to transcend if you like the kind of thinking you need to add up a grocery bill to something that will eventually end up in a piece of prose or something is you need imagination if you can add a certain amount of randomness to our ordinary methods of thinking then uh, we are likely to uh, succeed i suppose you know i think what dreams do is to give you a thinking edge they help you in your daily life one of the interesting things is how similar are dreams to wool gathering or deja vu or mind wandering or you know lsd trips or whatever i mean there there's a kind of spectrum of these phenomena that sometimes occur for instance in the day i don't know about you but i've written quite a lot of books although they're not on this subject they're on markets but you know sometimes i get an inspiration it might be in early waking or it might be in the middle of the day and i think wow why didn't i think of putting that complex subject that way in words and i've been all day incapable of thinking any more brightly than a sausage you know suddenly i'm able to have a purple patch if you like what's that all about if you could be more imaginative i think that would be an evolutionary advantage if we could increase our ability to imagine then i think we survive better to a certain extent, Peter's thoughts align with the South African neuroscientist Mark Solms. Among other things, Solms is known for dislodging the widely accepted view that dreams are synonymous with REM sleep. He learned this by working with patients who had brain injuries and dreamt, but they didn't have REM sleep. And then he encountered more patients who had REM sleep but didn't dream. This helped him realize that the mechanism of dreaming and REM sleep occur in two separate parts of the brain. The part of the brain that generates dreams is what neuroscientists call the seeking system. This is the higher parts of the brain which are associated with emotion and motivational behavior. The seeking system is known for prompting curiosity, exploration, and giving rewards, and it is probably the most important engine of creativity. Here is Mark Solms describing how he understands his work as consistent with Freud's idea that dreams are motivated phenomenon, driven by desire. They are intrinsically mental, motivated, and meaning-seeking states. The most meaning-making part of the brain uh, that there is, is the part of the brain that fundamentally generates dreams. Of course, there's a lot more to be said, but on the basis of just that, I can tell you that I, for one, on an evidence-based grounds, think that there's every reason to believe, just from the neuroscience, 
that dreams are motivated, meaningful mental states. But I also know, as a person who dreams himself, and as a person who has worked with the dreams of others, that from psychological evidence too, dreams are extremely enlightening about what it is that makes us tick, what it is that's on our minds, what it is that matters to us. As with all of our dreamers, I asked Peter if he had dreamt the night prior to the interview. We ask this because we were aware that the study might have an impact on people's dream life. I mean, knowing that you were going to speak to a stranger about your COVID dreams the next day might actually spark this psychological process. I'll leave you with Peter's dream, but I just wanted to say that as he spoke, I was reminded of Anna Freud's little paper called On Losing and Being Lost. Anna was Freud's youngest daughter, who herself became a psychoanalyst, working primarily with children after the war. And in this particular paper, she shares her reflections on kids who chronically feel lost, or indeed who chronically get lost. And I'll admit here that I'm fond of the paper because I was one of those kids. But Miss Freud says that this feeling stems from parental ambivalence that the child senses. She writes, It's only when the parent's aggression is more effective than their love, or when the mother's emotions are engaged elsewhere, that children not only feel lost, but in fact get lost. The only thing I can remember about my dream last night is that I was in a wood. All the trees in the wood were a bit like telegraph poles, only ten times as big and ten times as tall. So they didn't have any leaves on, and they didn't have... I think they had bark. I was lost, as I'm always lost in my dream, but I, I just thought that... Um, I, don't, I don't know. I just, I, I seem to be amazed, you know, I seem to be amazed that I was somewhere that was so weird and different. So, you know, I think, in other words, did I, did I have a kind of ego? I mean, did I, did I recognize myself as myself? Because that's another one, you know, I mean, I am always myself in dreams, but I'm, a, I'm not, the, not the me that I know, you know, when I'm awake. So it was a, but I, I kind of said, Pete, you're lost in this wood. I knew who I was, but that's the only thing I can remember about last night. The Guardians of Sleep aims to amplify the work of dreaming. We hope to provide a platform for people to share the things they have trouble expressing otherwise, and to create a space where we might learn to listen to each other anew. Thank you for joining us. season of the Guardians of Sleep is produced by the Museum of Dreams in partnership with the Museum of London and Birkbeck's Department of Psychosocial Studies. The podcast is edited by Aaron McIndoe Sproul with music by Andrew Braun.